Well, for this morning's message, can you turn to Ephesians chapter 4? This is the last in the series on the family. Ephesians chapter 4. Before we begin, let us seek God's mercy. Father, we are here before you and your word, and you know better than anyone our desperate need of you. Truly, Father, apart from you, we can do nothing. Lord Jesus, we're desperate creatures and, and we're apathetic. We don't even understand our own desperateness. Father, I ask that you would have mercy on us this morning and that we truly would um, not just be hearers of the word but doers that we truly would seek you and turn from our apathy, turn from the lies, and turn toward you, run toward you. Work in our hearts and our minds that we would be faithful, faithful to trust you and walk according to your ways. For we ask this in Christ. Amen. As we round this up, as we bring this all together and come to an end, what I'd like to do this morning is really end with what I think needs to be the ultimate vision for our families. What is it that we need to have as the end game, the end goal that we need to keep in our mind? What is it that we're striving after? Because, you know, what we don't want to have happen is if we can do a bunch of how-tos and we can get our kids in order and they're listening and they're sitting still and they're doing what they're saying and everything's neat and tidy and they oh, now this is great, this is what I want. Well, this is not what you want, because if that's all you get, then then this is behaviorism. All you have are are, are kids who are listening, who are sitting still, who are doing what they're told, which is great. But if it's not for this ultimate end and goal, it's all in vain. It's It's not ultimately what we're after. At the end of the day, we need to be after what God calls us to be after, and we need our, our vision for our family, the goal that we have for them needs to be crystal clear as far as God has told us. What has God said that this is all about? What are we to be about? So in order for us to get a clear picture of this and an understanding, to keep in front of us from day in and day out what it is we're, we're headed after, let's, in Ephesians chapter 4, I mean, looking at a passage that's normally thought of in relationship to the church, but I want to make, I want to make a connection here. In Ephesians chapter 4, starting at verse 11, chapter 4, he says that he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. And he gave them for a reason. Now, of course, you notice in that list he didn't say parents, right? Obviously, he didn't say parents. And that's because parents are the ones who will end up receiving what these, these, uh, these gentlemen here are giving, They're going to receive it. And then the idea is for the parents to take it to their homes and to apply it. So even though this is is directed at the purpose of ministry within the church, we can, by extension, see also, likewise, a model for the home. Because the family, really, if you think of it, the family is a microcosm of the church. And by definition, a microcosm is in miniature, has the characteristics, qualities, or features of something much larger. That's what a microcosm is. It has the character and features. And just, just think of scripture. What, are the, what is the church known as? The church is known as the family of God. 
We are God's children, gathered together as a family in Christ. Not only that, in the same book, in Ephesians chapter 5, what do we find about the husband? The husband is like Christ. He's the representative of Christ. And the wife is a representative of the church. So our children are, in a lot of brothers and sisters in the Lord, in, in at like the congregation. So even we have a lot of these identical features of the family. So the family is like this microcosm of the larger church. And so as parents, what are we to do? We are to take what is received from, as it says here in verse 11, from the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, shepherds, and teachers, what God gave them to the church to do something. What did he give them to the church to do? It says in verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. To equip the saints. So we need to equip, as parents, as we get equipped, we need to be equipping the saints for what? For the work of ministry. For what? And we're going to find out. So they'll be equipped for the work of ministry. For what ministry? What is this ministry? And then how does that work? That's what this... That's what we're going to see in this text. So what we're to do as parents, you're to equip. For what? For ministry. For, well, what does this do? Well, this, this is what we're going to find out what it does. And then how do you do that? We're going to find out how you do that. So we can sometimes think, when you think of the word equipping, what comes to your mind? We think that equipping refers to those practical tools, those practical skills that we get. We obtain in order that we might minister to one another. Because it says we're to equip them, we're to give them something. We give them this stuff, and what is it? Well, I'll give them a tool belt and stick tools in it, right? However, the apostles and the prophets, the evangelists, pastors and teachers, it says what they actually are they're given, what they're given, and in order, what they're to give and then give to the, to the saints. In chapter 3, if you turn over to chapter 3, verses 1 through 10, Paul explains a little bit what was given to him and what he is, it is he's sharing. He says, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you've heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you. What was given to him for you? He said, the stewardship, this, I was given a stewardship, a stewardship of what? Of God's grace. So he goes on to say in verse 3, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I've written brief, briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. So, what was revealed to the holy apostles and prophets? This mystery. What is it? The mystery of Christ. This gospel, this gospel of grace was given to him. So this mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. This mystery that it wasn't just going to be the Jews, it will be the Gentile, Jews and Gentiles together in Christ made one person, the one people of God out of all nations. Verse 7 says, Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of his power. To me, though I am very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. So what was Paul given? What trust was he given? He was given the gospel, he says. 
And he was given it. Why? He says, to give this to the saints. So that I may make, make known to it, reveal it to them. So Paul, as an apostle, he says, the apostle and the prophets were given this. Every single one of these people, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers, what do you think they are declaring? What do you think they are, they've been given? And what is it they're to equip the church with? Gospel. They equip them with the gospel. This is primarily what they're being equipped with. And so when they have, they're equipped with this, what are they to do with this? He goes on to say in verse, in verse 11, chapter 4, back to chapter 4, verse 11, and then 12. They're to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. What do they equip them with? The gospel. So parents, you're to be equipped with the gospel. And so you take, as a microcosm in your home, you've been equipped with the gospel. You're to take that gospel and you're to minister it. You're to minister it to your little saints. And it's to be to minister to them within the home. And it wasn't, here's something, here's something we have to understand. When I say the word, often this is, it's an overused word, isn't it? Gospel. So we use it all the time. We're like, what do you mean by that? It wasn't some generic pie-in-the-sky gospel platitude that simply talked about going to heaven when you die. If I, was to, if I was to go around the room and I say, okay, okay, Joel, tell me what is the gospel. And he tells me. And I said, okay, Steve, tell me what, what is the gospel. And he tells me. And we go around, we would get something or something generally about Jesus' death, right? His burial, resurrection, and ascension, and its implications. And we would talk about that. And to some degree, uh, there, there's truth in all of it. But typically, when the gospel's thought of, it's, it's really the issue it's, it's seeking to deal with is that here it is, you are under the wrath of God, and you want to be free from that and go to heaven when you die. It's the pivotal point. And so, if you want to go to heaven when you die and be free from the wrath of God, what do you need to do? You need to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you'll be saved, right? And so, this is what I'm saying. It's true, but it's, the gospel is so much more than that. It has implications to every single area of life. The gospel is needed in all things. And by gospel, we can say short, it's shorthand for all the work of Christ. What Jesus has come to do. And Jesus didn't just come to do to, to, to get people to heaven. Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and have it to the fullest. Jesus said, I have come to set the prisoner free. I have come to set at liberty those who are held captive. I have come to heal the brokenhearted. I have come to proclaim good news. Jesus, and what he's come to do, has implication and application to every single aspect of our lives. You know, to realize the fact that Jesus is king of heaven and earth, it has implications for how we live. And this is, this is, it's, it's a robust gospel that has to get into all of our lives in every nook and cranny. And so as parents, when we're equipped with the gospel and understand a good, thorough understanding of the gospel, we're then able to go and minister the gospel. But if we're not equipped with it, we're not able to minister it. And so we, first of all, the very first step is that being, we need to be, get equipped with the gospel. And then now we have to ask the question. Okay, so you get equipped with the gospel. 
For what? For the work of ministry. So that you would minister this gospel to one another. And then what happens? What does this look like? How does, Paul, how does it describe what this ministry is like? Well, he goes on to actually describe what it's like. If you look at the end of verse 12, going on to 13 and following. It says, for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure and the stature of the fullness of, God, of, of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. So what is the point? that we to be equipped with the gospel to minister to one another, so that what? So that we would all grow up and be built up into mature manhood, into the fullness of Christ. The fullness of Christ is what we want in each person. And this is exactly what Paul prayed for in, in, back in Romans chapter, uh, sorry, Ephesians chapter 3. Throughout this whole series, I've been given a benediction at the end of the service. And it comes from this Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 and following. And if you go there and look at it, just swing back there, Paul prays for them. And he, what does he pray? That He prays that, he says, For this reason, in verse 14, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, that he might grant you what? To be strengthened with power, through his spirit in your inner being, so that you might understand and know what? The height, the depth, the width of the love of Christ. And what happens when you get that and understand this all? Verse 19. End of verse 19, he says, And that know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. He prays for them that they might be filled with all the fullness of God, that the fullness of Christ might be manifested in them fully, completely. So they have fullness of Christ, fullness of life. You know, too often we think of a person, they hear the gospel, they believe, they get assurance that they'll go to heaven when they die, and then we get on with the rest of life. And so... When life is filled with trials, temptations, frustrations, pain, anxiety, stress, depression, insecurity, etc. Do you know what we don't think of? We don't think of the application of the gospel toward it. We think of a life management skills, counseling, pills, coping mechanisms, etc. If you think of the issues that are go on in the life of, of the people of God, the struggles and the stuff that's happening. Do we, do we think of the gospel as the solution? Be honest about that. Do we? Do we think that the, the solution, the answer, what they need is the gospel? Well, no, because the gospel, it seems in so many ways, is just addressing that eternal issue of whether or not we'll go to heaven when we die. Which it does, but so much more than that. And I'm convinced one of the biggest problems we have is that we're not equipped with the gospel and understanding it so that we know it, the, the gospel deals with, you know what? It deals with depression. 
It deals with anxiety. It deals with mental disorders. It deals with people's issues in the world. Jesus came. He came to set the captives free. He came to heal the brokenhearted. He came to set at liberty those who are held in bondage. He came that you might have life and have it to the fullest. Now, he's not messing around, but it sure seems like it. He's not telling a lie. It sure seems like it. Do you look around? Do you see the fullness of life overflowing? Do we see ourselves captive, set free, set at liberty? When the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. Do we see people with the joy of the Lord in their life understanding what Christ has done for them? I don't. I don't. I see so many people, so many Christians going about life, looking for remedies, having problems, having struggles, having issues and things going on in their life. And you listen to the where they're going for their answers. And we're going to, we're going to self-help. We're going to medication. We go, you know, don't, don't get me wrong. You think, oh man, Dean, are you against medication of any sort? No, I'm not. But issues of the soul, I am against medications for issues of the soul. And that... I will say boldly, because the remedy is Jesus. The issue that needs to take place and be healed, is it comes from Jesus. Because I believe it addresses every area of life. And when we understand this, and we understand the point is that we come to this fullness, this full stature of Christ, we come to know, know the fullness of Christ, and that's what Paul prays for, that they would be filled with the fullness of God. Oh, Lord, that they would understand this. And when we get that as parents and we're equipped with that kind of gospel, then we can address the issues of our children the same way. So fundamentally, we have to understand that life is taken away when we believe a lie which leads to sin and find people entrapped. Because sin brings with it a certain kind of death. So here, let me give you an example. So when your children are insecure around their peers. You, you see sh- signs of insecurity. Does the gospel have anything to deal, do with that? Does it, or is, now, is that a completely separate issue? Now we're dealing with insecurity. It's over here. The gospel's over here. But we have to understand, no, the gospel has something very significantly to say to, toward that. Because what your children, what anybody do, what you're doing as a parent, what I do when I'm insecure, you know what I'm doing? I'm believing a lie. And what's the lie I'm believing? That acceptance and approval from my peers will give me meaning and fulfillment. That's the lie. What's the truth? The truth is I have all the acceptance and approval I need in Christ. Ephesians chapter 1, he's hammering this. That's the truth. That in Christ, the Father accepts you. you. You have the acceptance and the approval that will give you meaning and fill your soul. Do you realize the acceptance and approval of your peers will not fill your soul? It will leave you empty and wanting. But the lie is, it looks tempting. If I could get that, then I would be filled. The truth is, no, you'll only be filled, you'll only have meaning when you understand that you're accepted in the beloved, you're accepted in Christ, you have it already. Now, to me, that's incredibly practical in terms of the gospel. Because insecurity is just one of many issues we face. And the gospel says something toward it. 
There's a lie being believed when we have insecurity. And the truth, when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. So what do we do? What do we need to guide our children in is repentance. Repent from that unbelief. Repent from that lie. Repent and turn and embrace the gospel, which says you're already accepted. You already have all that you need and find it there and finding it there, you'll be filled. So we need to understand that Jesus truly did come to set the captives free and he came that we might have life and have it to the fullest. But this only happens, only happens as sin and unbelief are taken care of. And when you see sin and unbelief in your children, you know what it's going to cause? You see manifestations. You will not see the fullness of life in Christ. You're going to see anxiety, fear, insecurities, and all kinds of manifestations of it. And when you see that, it's showing you that there is a lie that they're trapped in, and they need the truth of the gospel ministered to them. Here's the next thing. Here's something else we have to consider. Because... So we understand that God gives the gospel to these apostles and these prophets. And why? To equip the saints. And you're the saints, and so you're equipped, and you're to go do what with it? You're to minister to one another. What are you to minister to one another? You're to minister the gospel in the nooks and crannies of life and get really good at it. And then what happens as we minister the gospel to one another, what's going on? Well, we start to build one another up in the faith. We start to build one another up in the fullness of Christ, as it says. And then he gives a little bit uh, specific uh, answer as to how that happens. How do we do that? If you look at verse 15, it says we're to speak the truth in love. Chapter 4, verse 15. Rather, so he says this is, you know, instead of being tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine and the, and the, cra- and the crafty lies, the cunning crafty, crafting lies and deceitful schemes, it says, rather than being tossed about and being confused by that, rather you're to be speaking the truth in love so that we grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body is joined and held together by every joint which each, each supplies. So what are we to do once we're equipped with this, with this gospel ministry and understand what it accomplishes we're to speak the truth in love now how many of you when you've heard that before speak the truth in love you think that it means quick rebuke like hey i've got some i i i gotta be honest that's what i believe for a long time you well how should i talk to them well you need to speak the truth in love just tell them the way it is tell them straight up and say it in a loving way speak the truth in love now not that that's that's bad counsel or unwise that's truly wise if you have to correct and rebuke. But this isn't cast in a negative light like somehow, you know, you have an issue and I need to figure out how to tell you that you're lazy um, and that you really need to, to, to stop being that way. So I say, okay, how do I do this in a loving way? And so I figure out how, man, I'll just tell them that, you know, I've noticed and uh, I've seen some patterns. And so I figure out a clever way to tell them, say, you know what, you've been pretty lazy um, no, that's bad. That's not loving. Um, uh, you haven't worked as hard as you possibly can. And so, and so I'm working to try to tell them the truth because they need to hear this in love. 
Well, that's really not what's going on here at all. And, and actually, the context of everything really helps us to understand. When we're speaking the truth in love, it's, he's not jumping onto a whole other subject. We're trying, the whole point and purpose here is to be built up into the fullness of Christ. So we come to a mature manhood in Christ. We'd be mature in the faith. And what we need spoken, the truth that we need spoken to each of us in love, is the truth of the gospel. That's, what we, that's the truth we need. In fact, he goes on to say in this passage, in verse 17, he says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding. And so the whole darkness of understanding thing, they don't know. They have, there's no truth. It's the opposite. They're filled with futility. They're filled with lies. They're filled with ignorance. They're alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. They don't know and understand the truth of the gospel due to the hardness of their heart, it says. They have become callous and given themselves up to sensuality, to greedy practice of every kind of impurity. But that's not how you learn Christ, he said. Assuming that you've heard of him, listen to what he says here, assuming that you've heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. Did you catch that line? So the, uh, they're, they're filled with ignorance. They're filled, they don't know, that they're filled with darkness. And he says, well, I'm assuming that you've been taught the truth is in Jesus. The truth that you're talking is this truth in Jesus, this truth about Jesus. And the truth that Paul has been, been proclaiming in this book is that what G, who Jesus is and what he's done and what that means for your life. Do you realize the truth that we need to hear, the truth that we need spoken to one another, is the truth of the gospel in life situations? That's what we need to hear. And this is another way of looking at what I just referred to earlier, which means we have to address the lie. The lie that's being believed and proclaim the truth that is in Jesus. So, let me give you another example. Let's say your child is afraid of the dark, which is very common, isn't it? Your child's afraid of the dark. Do you know what that is? When your child is afraid of the dark, they're believing a lie. What are they believing a lie about? Well, they're believing a lie that, and that is is believing that somehow there's a power, maybe there's monsters or something in this darkness that can hurt them. So they're, they're believing, and they're not believing the truth about Jesus. So what, what do we need to do in this case? Well, we need to help them to see the truth. We need to speak the truth to them in love, the truth about who Christ is and what he, and what he came to do, which means teaching them about the sovereign of Jesus. Jesus is king of all. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to Jesus. He rules it all. Do you know what else? His presence is with you by the Holy Spirit. He's king and ruler of all. His presence is with you by the Spirit. And do you know what? The inability of evil or monsters to have power over, over you is impossible. Because you're in Jesus. Do you realize that all evil powers and and principalities and dominions and rulers and demons and no matter what are under the feet of Jesus? And if Jesus says jump, they boom, they jump. If Jesus says be gone, they're gone. 
At his very word, they must leap. We need to understand that. Oh, we, we, we should laugh at the face of darkness and understand we don't fear him. We don't fear these things. Why don't we fear him? Not just don't fear. You better not fear. Don't fear. You don't need to fear. No, let me tell you the truth is in Jesus. Let me tell you the truth about this, this reality. Jesus is Lord over the darkness. Jesus is with you right now. And Jesus is ruler over any, any principality, power, dominion, and rule. All of it are under his feet. And what happens if a child turns from the lie, repents of the lie, and turns and believes the truth? They're set free. And they'll go to sleep that night and can praise Jesus because they're living and walking in the truth at that moment. Now, I'm not saying you don't have to tell them the same thing the next night because in all truth, we sometimes need to be told the truth. In all truth, I need the truth of the gospel. Because you know what? I'm tempted. You know what? I, I buy into lies at times. And I need you to minister the gospel to me. To, to speak the truth about who Jesus is and what he's done and what that means for me. We need to stir one another up. He talks about this is the ministry of one another ministry. We minister the gospel to one are speaking the truth in love. And this is something we have to get very good at. At first, sometimes we ask the question, so what is the lie being believed here? I'm not really sure. You know, if, if somebody is filled with anxiety, you need to find out what it is. What is the anxiety? What are you afraid of? And so as we, as we hear the lie and we present the truth, we call people, you know, all we, here's one thing you cannot do. You cannot change people. You cannot change a person and you cannot cause them, force them. I'm going to force you to repent. I'm going to force you to, to, to confess that as a lie and turn and believe the truth. Now, let me grab your neck and I'm going to force you. You can't. But you proclaim the truth that is in Christ Jesus. You, you speak the truth in love. And you have to expose the lie and say, this is a lie, but this is the truth. The truth is that Jesus is Lord and King. And the truth is, you know, depending on what person's struggling with, they need to know that that's the lie and this is the truth. And that what they're called to is repent. Turn from this. You need to change a heart. You need to change a mind. You need to realize that's a lie and this is the truth. And hold fast to the truth. And if you believe the truth, you'll be set free. If you want to hold on to that lie, guess what's going to happen? You're going to be in bondage. And you'll remain in bondage. And that's something I can't do. But I can declare the gospel to you. I can speak the truth in love and encourage you. And you know what's amazing? If we get good at this and we do this often, if you're doing in this home with your, this would be the, the, the most beautiful thing ever. You're, doing, you're preaching the gospel to one another. You live in a home and with your children and, and, and the environment is where you speak the truth to one another in love like this and you call people to believe the truth about Jesus and reject the lies they're believing. You know, one day it'll happen and the children see mom and dad freaking out because dad lost his job. And they're racked with fear. They're racked with anxiety. And your little ones see, you know, mommy and daddy, they're believing a lie. And say, mommy, daddy, don't you know that Jesus is sitting on his throne and in control of all things and you're his child and he cares for you and loves you? Mommy, daddy, he'll, he'll take care of us. He'll provide for us. He's promised. 
Oh, you're right. <laughs> you're right. I slipped off the rails. It happens. It happens to all of us. And wouldn't that be beautiful? Wouldn't that be a beautiful thing if our children proclaim and speak the truth of the gospel to our li- into our lives? And so we repent, we turn from that, the lie and the unbelief, and we turn towards the truth, and we confess it to God, and we say, yes, that's the truth. This is what we all need. How many times have you slipped off the rails? How many times do you walk in unbelief? How many times do you live according to the lies? How often? We all do. We all all need gospel ministry. We all need to be built up into the fullness in Christ. We all need to get to that mature manhood. And do you know what, parents? That is the number one goal of our homes. That we would equip our children... Equip them with the gospel. That we would be well equipped with the gospel so that we could turn. And what, what, what we'd do, we'd, we, we would do the gospel ministry. We'd minister to one another in love. What would we do? How would we minister to one another? We'd speak the truth about Christ in love. We would declare the truth of the gospel. And your parents, what do we do when we see our, our children in a, in, a, in a manner, in a way, in a spirit, in a condition that we don't like? We're going to say, stop it. Stop it. Don't do that. Don't be a, we, we sometimes, don't be afraid. Don't be anxious. Just be tough. Be tough. Be, is that, be tough? Sometimes I can't stand that. Be manly. Be, be a man, be a man. Like, okay, what, so I, I'm just going to be in my own strength. I'm going to be a man. Well, no, if you want someone to be manly, if you want them to be, to be strong, they've got to be strong in the Lord. They've got nothing. You know, they've got to be utterly convinced. You know where my strength comes from? Knowing Jesus is Lord, and Jesus is my King, and Jesus is my God, and He's control of all things. When The more I, f- I fear God, the more I understand who He is and believe who Jesus is, you know what I become? More courageous, more bold. But I don't become any more bold. If you tell me, Dean, you need to man up, you need to get strong, okay. It's like, that doesn't help. Oh, thanks. Thanks for telling me what I already know. Thanks for telling me the very thing I want to beat myself up before. I can't stand myself because I'm such a wimp. Thanks. Appreciate it. I want to be stronger. Well, you know why you're not strong? Is you're believing the lie about those people you're fearing. Don't fear him who can destroy the body. Fear him who can destroy body and soul in hell. Get me to fear God. Get me to understand God. Get, remind me of the gospel truth in Jesus. And all of a sudden, as I do, it'll make me stronger, but stronger in the Lord, trusting in him. And as I turn away from the lie, that you'll, you'll give me the strength. I won't be any stronger. I won't be man up because you told me to be man up or anything like that. It's only the ministry of the gospel speaking the truth of what is true in Christ, in love, that I will be built up and strengthened. And the same goes for every single one of us. The same goes for our children. You want to have a home, a home where... You equip your children in this. This needs to be the primary goal. When they leave the house, they've been equipped with the gospel. They understand the work, the ministry of Jesus to every aspect of their lives. And you watch them, and now they go, and they're able to minister the gospel to the world around them. Well equipped. That's the goal. Amen. Father, we're so grateful and thankful for Jesus.
What a what a blessed ministry we have. Oh, Father, I beg you that you would teach us and help us to understand the truth that is in Christ, that we would be well-equipped with that truth, that we would understand and know the lies that hold us in bondage, and we would repent, and we would turn from those lies and embrace and hold fast to the truth. Grant us this repentance that we would hate the lie, we would see the lie, we would acknowledge the lie, confess the lie, and turn and embrace the truth in Christ, knowing who he is and what he's done for us. Help us, Father that we might be like this and train our children in this and be equipped to minister to them in this. For we ask this in Christ. Amen.